Fixing hits and goals and saves and slap shots and goons. We've got sport the commentary to what if your commute. But we also cover movies, TV shows, eats and tunes. It's your weekly bowl of hoggy and nonsense. I'm Greg Wyshynski of the worldwide leader in sports ESPN. Uh, where you can watch uh, both cornhole and uh, occasional hockey games on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, I'm Ryan Lambert from Yahoo. Again, we do not have that or anything like it. Uh, I'm Sean McInerney from The Athletic. We we don't cover cornhole yet, but <laughs> maybe. You, know, like, you never know. In a week, we might hire like every cornhole yeah. writer this is uh, <laughs> that you've ever heard of, and then uh, this is yeah, true. You, you can... If you're, I'm not ruling it out. If you're a cornhole writer with at least 5,000 followers on Twitter, you too can work for The Athletic. Oh, and you're in Puck Soup. It's the big-ass uh, preview edition of Puck Soup. Uh, it is a, a classic uh, bit that we have done on the show for years. Uh, of course, when Lozo was here, we did it under the guise of Mike and the Mad Dog. I don't think we'll be repeating that bit. I mean, you do need Lozo's spot-on Mike Francesa impression. Um, which is just basically New Yorker with a head cold to do that bit. Uh, By the way, did you see his thing where he had the coach of the Giants on the other day and he just was like, you guys are fucking yes. terrible. Oh. What are you- <laughs> so refreshing. You, you know what happened with, with that so one was cool. I, saw, I saw that clip go around and it was like, yeah, he, here he is telling the coach of the uh, Giants that they're terrible. And I assume that meant he was just on the radio saying, hey, coach of the Giants. I didn't realize the coach of the Giants was on the phone yeah. with him. Had him on the phone, yeah. yeah. So it's 20 seconds of him saying how crap they are and then an awkward silence. And then you hear the coach of the Giants go like, yeah, we got to work on some things. It was fantastic. I didn't. Uh, yeah, it was it like a, the twist ending was perfect on that. I love to, it. To the, li- the liberating feeling of one. I'm sure what that I'm sure that's a contractual obligation interview that the coach of the Giants is doing at oh, that 100%, point. Oh, 100%, and, yeah. And two, Frances is in such an I don't give a fuck mode in his career that it's also probably very freeing to just be able to say and do whatever he wants. Um, yep. So here you go. So yeah, no no, no, Mikey and the Mad Dog uh, uh, over-unders this time, but over-unders nonetheless. Vegas lines. Uh, it's funny, when we, we started uh, uh, noodling through how we were going to do this uh, preview episode um, the name Jimmy Shapiro came up on email, which is a, 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 it's it's a name that every single person in the hockey media knows by heart because we get these emails yes. from Jimmy Shapiro, these That's offshore right. odds and uh, over under totals and shit, and it's become sort of the buzzword for like like I, I think somebody said that you know it's hockey season when you get your first Jimmy Shapiro email. They said earlier this year. Yep. That's very very accurate. Um, but yeah, it's the over-under uh, point total episode of the show as we go through the league, talk about some of these teams, and figure out what what the fuck we're dealing with in the NHL 2019-20. Um, so I, I suppose we will. St- you, you want East or West first? I'm gonna I'm gonna put it to the podcast. Let's go East first right. and work our way west. I, I like that idea. All right, let's start in the Atlantic Division. This is going to be alphabetical order. The Boston Bruins, over under for 2019-20 is, uh, was it 
hundred and a half, what is it? What are we, Hundred and a half points. Oh, I thought you had it pulled up. Jesus, oh, I thought I had it pulled up too. I think it's a hundred and a half points. Is their over under? I'll take the over on that. They're o- I will also go. I was over. Say- oh, no, don't go changing it no, now. No, no, no. I was going to say they're o- they they, oh. they had a hundred and seven points last year. Right. And yeah, and really did almost nothing much over everybody. the yeah over the uh, the off season. Which in this NHL doesn't really mean anything. Like you can bring back the exact same team and still have wildly different results. But I, yeah, if if you're giving me a cushion of a half dozen points or so, I will take that and I will go over. Besides, I mean, they have to finish second so that they can eliminate the Leafs in the first round of the playoffs. That's again. correct. So yep. that's, that's going to take about a hundred and something points. See, that's funny. I, I was on the venerable uh, Dmitry Filipovich podcast uh, earlier this month and revealed, maybe, maybe showed my cards a little bit here. I really want to pick the Leafs to win the cup. And I'm trying to figure out whether or not that means that they have to take the path of most resistance and overcome their tormentors like the Capitals mm-hmm. did when they beat the Penguins. Or yep. if it's more of a New Jersey Devils Stanley Cup play where every year they won the cup, they didn't play the Rangers. So like, like which, which, which path, is it a which, slay the dragon? Yeah. Which path is it for the Leafs to win the cup? Do they slay the dragon? And obviously, you yep. know, if, if they did, then we would all know the problem was uh, Nazem Kadri and Jake Gardner. Um, or do they avoid the dragon, win the division, and have the lightning slay the dragon? Well, what was the problem that they need that they you know had Kadri and and Gardner, or that they needed Cody CC? <laughs> I mean, who's to say really until they play the games? But uh, right. I'll take I'll take the over on the Bruins too. I think I mean I can't imagine that they're gonna. I mean, they might be a hundred point team, which of course would be a losing bet. But I bet they're a hundred one point team, in which you'd win. Well, the here's bet. the I mean, thing, I, though. Like, you also have to keep in mind that the Bruins last year, like, missed Patrice Bergeron for 15 games, uh, Zdeno Chara, Charlie McAvoy. Like, you can go down the list. They missed every important player that wasn't Brad Marchand and um, yeah, but, David Krejci but, for at least 10 games. Two, it was two, wild. Two of the players you just mentioned could easily miss time again this year. I mean, who, the, who all knows about McAvoy? Oh no, no, for yeah. sure. But like, again, they missed. Like everybody, let's put it this way. I wrote about this the other or last week, so uh, you know, like this is fresh in my mind. But the most used defenseman last year was Brandon Carlo, and he missed ten games. Mm. Like I don't know that you're going to lose that many man games to important players. So like I I can easily see them getting back to maybe not a hundred and seven, but a hundred and four, hundred and five, pretty easily. Okay. Okay. Uh, the Buffalo Sabers. The over/under for the Buffalo Sabers, Saber, Sabers, is uh, eighty-three and a half points. Um, and last year, the Buffalo Sabers had seventy-six points. Yeah, I have to take the under on this, right? <laughs> like that—that's the only reasonable conclusion. Is that eighty-three and a half? Is it seems like that's Vegas or whoever sets these lines. Really thinking back fondly on that ten-game winning streak. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the, the the mystery. One of the great mysteries of the season is what's going to happen with Ralph Kruger behind the bench of the Buffalo Sabers. Now, granted, 
a lot of, uh, as we talked about, uh, I think on a previous episode, a lot of the goodwill built up around Ralph Kruger is built up because he got jobbed in Edmonton after one year and then led one of only two teams in the World Cup to give a shit to the uh, championship round. Um, how is he going to be in 2019 in the National Hockey League? Brill- brilliantly coaching those yeah, sabers. Brill- brilliantly yeah. interesting guy. Good enough to paper over the lineup holes in Buffalo is the question. 83 and a half? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can go there with them, but I think it's going to be closer than you think. I'm going to go over for a couple of reasons. One is I I think as I'm kind of looking down this list, I I feel like I'm going to say over for like 28 teams. And just be way too optimistic on everyone. Uh, I think the coaching change will help. I wasn't a big fan of Phil Housley, so I, I think that even if Ralph Kruger is not necessarily the second coming of Scotty Bowman, he will be an upgrade. Uh, I, I like uh, some of the players they brought in. I don't like that they're going back to the same goaltending pairing, but I've kind of given up on acting like I can predict what's going to happen in goaltending. And yeah, maybe Carter Hutton just wins the Vezina for no good reason. And, oh. uh, I, I should... Say I uh, should put the caveat on this that I think I have predicted that this is the year for the Sabers for going on five straight seasons now. So I've been wrong every time. Take this with a grain of salt, but I'm going to say moderately over. I just I just love the, the idea of Sean standing in front of a betting window in Vegas and being like, "Well, you know, Carter Hutton could win the Vezina." The thing is, though, I mean, two years ago when he was with St. Louis, he had one of the best save percentages in the league, granted as like a 1B, but like he, you know, it goes to show you that literally any goalie can just be like, oh yeah, I'm the best goalie in the world and I will be for 60 games, uh, have a good season, and everybody just has to go. And what, wouldn't well, that, yeah, I guess that's the world we live in for, for now. Wasn't that a Ken Hitchcock team? It, sure, but like you know, uh, how many how many times have we seen? Oh, I didn't think that goalie was any good, but here he is. Ben Bishop last year, you know, everybody was like oh, a year man. away from from thinking he was totally washed because he missed all that time or whatever. And then, oh wait, no, uh, actually, I have the best save percentage in the league. People always ask in the in the mailbag, like, what is the thing that one of your co-hosts is hung up on that you just can't fucking stand? Your perpetual hate of Ben Bishop's game, I, I will never understand. Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I think he's fine. But is he the best goalie in the league? Yes, he was. One of the, he was one of the two best goalies in the league last year. Right, but Carter Hutton was one of the two best goalies in the league two years ago. And before, and the other best goalie in the league last year was Robin Lehner, who was a guy who, you know, uh, the Islanders picked up off the scrap heap for nothing. So what I'm saying is it just goes to show you any goalie can have 60 incredible games. Like nobody thought Semyon Varlamov was what he was when the Avalanche had that season, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, like, it will literally never surprise me when a goalie that – Andre Pavlich is another perfect example. Dog shit, dog shit, dog shit for, like, years and years. And then one year he's like, I'm like a 925 goalie. Have a good one. So it happens with everybody is the point. Robin Lehner once traded for a first-round pick, as you know. Um, Yeah. I'll take take the under on Buffalo. The the Flyers were an 82-point team last year. Could the and and they were like thirty they were like thirty seven thirty seven and eight. I don't think Buffalo's getting to five hundred this year, so I'll take the under. Detroit Red Wings, 
Ufa. Under? I'm going to let's oh, just say the under. Over. <laughs> the over under on the Red Wings at this point is 75 and a half points. Uh, last year's over under also 75 and a half points. And they hit the under. They they had 74 points in the standings last year. So do we believe that they will either be a point better or the same or worse than they were last year? I, I'm i going to take, like, the very, very, very little under. I think they have, like, 75 points. And so this is a, this is a very tough one, but I, I, think, I think I'm going to go with 75 points. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go under on this partly just to to mitigate what i just said about how i feel like everyone else is over and also because i think the red wings are the worst team in the league that is not actively trying to win right now they're in full rebuild new gm steve eiserman could i mean they they could get 30 points this year and and nobody's gonna say a word uh against steve eiserman so he's yeah he's got lots of lots of room to work with here and uh I don't know. We'll see. Jimmy Howard could be one of those guys this year who just single-handedly drags his team into playoff contention, but he kind of had a great year last year, and it still they were a 74-point team. So I'm going to go an under on the Red Wings, uh, <clears throat> and I, I think they're a candidate for dead last, and I think they're fine with that. I think uh, the tank potential of this team is rather high. Uh, when you consider that they have 11 players under contract for next Oof. season. Um, this tells me that Steve Eiserman's taking a team that has no uh, desire or compunction to be all that competitive this season. It would behoove them, in fact, to not be competitive this season. I'll take the under. Uh, Florida Panthers. Oh, now we're okay. getting to it. Now okay. there's some intrigue. The Florida Panthers over-under is 96 and a half points. Last year's over-under was 94 and a half points. Florida only had 86 points last season under uh, coach Ababuganer. So the question then becomes, is the addition of Joel Quenville and Sergei Bobrovsky good enough for an 11-point increase from last year's total? I got to say maybe two wins under what what the line is here may thereabouts. I you know, I I just think it's too high of a line. Like I don't know that Well, keep keep this in mind last year. The Columbus Blue Jackets, the final wild card team at 98 points. So if you think the Florida Panthers are a playoff team, if you think they're a wild card team playing in a pathetic division. Pathetic division? Then, are they not in the same one as Tampa, Boston and Toronto anymore? Oh, but they're also in the same one as Detroit and Ottawa. So, yeah, I just named three of the five best teams in the league. You named two of the four worst. Yeah, I, but where are, the, where, where, where are the Ottawa and Detroit in the Central or Metro? Yeah, no, exactly. like they're, they're bad, uh, but... Right, exactly. So do you think that, that they get above 96 and a half? Is essentially, do you think they're a playoff team? I, I, let me put it this way. I don't think the East got better around the middle of the the conference. Like, the, the playoff bubble teams, I think a lot of teams got worse. Obviously, Columbus is one of them. But, like, 
I'm not I'm not sure Philly's any good again this year. I you know, Montreal didn't really do anything um of note. They tried, but they didn't. So I don't think ninety eight points is gonna be the cutoff again this year. I you know. Um I, I think it's gonna be a little bit lower than that. So I do have them as a playoff team, but I still have them as going under that number. Yeah. And that's that's like this is the the people who set these lines are pretty good at it because I think uh, this is one of those teams where I think they're going to be better. I think they're going to be in the playoffs. I think they're going to be right around that ninety six point mark. Which yeah, I agree with Ryan. I I think that's enough to get you in in the East this year. I'll go over, uh, but I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be a lot over. But I I th- certainly think it's more likely that they are over by a lot than under by a lot. So. I guess if that makes sense, that tilts me to the overside. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, I think I think having goal, assuming he stays healthy, having goaltending that's worth a damn is going to be worth eight eight to ten points on its own. Um, when you when you look at their yeah. their problems last season, I mean, for fuck's sake, they had 14 yeah. overtime and, and, losses. And the Bobrovsky deal, you don't have um, to like that deal long term. To think that it's it's he's going to be a good right. goaltender yeah, no, for like him this they, year. They went out and got one of the most reliably good goaltenders in the yeah. league, albeit coming off a bit yeah. of a down year. But and and it, as long as he's not just another guy, old guy with a mustache that disappears in South Florida, yep. they got one of the best coaches in the league too. So I, I, I'm going to take the over. I don't know by how much they're going to be over, but I think that with that type of goaltending. Uh, fixing many of the the issues they had last season defensively, uh, and a coach that could do the same. I'll, I'll, like Sean said, better chance of them being over than under, I think, this year on that total. Well, here's an interesting one. Montreal Canadiens. Montreal's over-under this season is 88.5 points. They had 96 points last season. That's a, that's yeah. a really weird-ass line. I mean, you slam the over on that, don't you? Here's the thing. So I just typed out all of my uh, my point totals, uh, like for whatever I think every team is going to end up with, and I have Montreal at 88. So <laughs> this, is, this is a tough one for me, but I think I I think I I'll stick with what I have and say I'm half a point under, just like I was with Detroit. Yeah, I I I go over because yeah, like 96 point team last year, pretty much. Same, bringing back the same lineup in, in theory. If Shea Weber's healthy all year, that improves them. Uh, but but I don't think the 88-point line is completely out of whack. Uh, I think there's, especially mm-hmm. considering how inconsistent this team's been over the years, kind of bouncing back and forth between good and bad, and, and last year was one of the good ones, and they weren't, still weren't good enough to make the playoffs. So uh, I, I'm, I don't think I'm slamming the over. I will... I will take the over, but I'm I'm not going to be completely shocked if this line turns out to be a little more prescient than maybe it seems at first glance. I think the offense overperformed I'll last s- year is what I is what I would mm-hmm. say to, for me to justify my uh, my number or, or you know my 88 points down from 96 last year. I just I don't really buy it with Max Domi suddenly becoming like a An- point a game player. Not not believing in another season of domination. Yeah, no. no. I'll slam the eighty nine points. Yeah, I'll take the over. Right. <laughs> All right. Oh boy, here we go. 
The Ottawa Senators over under this season is 68 and a half. It was 71 and a half last year. The Ottawa Senators, of course, finished with 64 points uh, last season. Under new coach DJ Smith and with a collection of players, well, they're a team, as their general manager <laughs> says. Over under 68 and a half points in the Ottawa I'm going Senators. way under, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I have them at 58. Um, and I think that's fair because you have to remember they put up the – what did you say they finished with last year? 64? Something like that? Uh, they finished with 64 <laughs> points last year. So Ryan. they did that with most of a season of Mark Stone, yep. most of a season of Ryan Zingle overperforming, most of a season of um, Matt Duchesne just playing out of his mind. And they and now their top line has I think Drake Batherson on the right wing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, you know I'm really curious to see how um, how Colin White, who is being cast as a number one center of the future, inexplicably, and Brady Kachuk do when they don't have uh, Mark Stone to make them look incredible. Mm. I just checked their roster by the way. T- top line: Bobby Ryan, Troy Millette, and Lori mm. Boschman. Oh. I mean, we knew. It's crazy. I, uh, <laughs> I'm going to take the under on this. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think they'll be better at least, you know, even if they're not better record-wise. I think the the cloud is lifting a little bit in Ottawa. I think there's room for optimism. Uh, they've got some young pieces, but you got to have some growing pains with that. And the the thing that concerns me about Ottawa as far as the over-under. I, I don't think they'll be as bad necessarily as Ryan says, but anytime I look at a bad team, and we've already hit on it, my first thought is, well, if the goaltender is amazing, they're going to be good no matter what. The goaltending solves pretty much all your all your problems. And I think the Senators could certainly have one of those years where the goaltending is fantastic, but I think they're probably the least likely of the bad teams to have that situation. Craig Anderson is... 38 or whatever he is and and has not been great the last two years i I think it's unlikely not impossible but unlikely that he throws up one of those 925 seasons all of a sudden uh and they don't really have a ton of ton of depth behind him in in terms of established nhlers so uh i think it's going to be another tough season i don't really have a good read on how dj smith is going to do as a coach but I, I just don't think there's enough talent here at the NHL level to uh, to get excited about yet. They have absolutely no fucking reason to want to be good. Yeah, that is another really good point. Well, I mean, well, like, except that they need to sell tickets. Except that well. the if if the arena is half empty, ah. then and they have an owner who needs the so cash it sounds flow. like so you're so what you're saying is if they have another ottawa senators season yes yeah they're already papering the building so i'm not concerned about that they're they're going to be under they're they're in the tank they want the kid and they and, have their uh, own pick this year for a change so under and and for a change most right? of under everyone else's picks too so and also nine players under contract currently for next season. So Yeah, so you will definitely have guys playing for deals, which always helps. But when some of those guys are Ron Hainsey and Mark Borowiecki, you're like, oh, maybe I don't uh, so much worry about those guys producing. Sir, that's Ron, no trade clause, Hainsey, to you. Uh, here's an interesting one. 
What do we expect from the Tampa Bay Lightning this year? The over-under for the Tampa Bay Lightning at this point is 108.5. Sounds like a great classic rock station. And the Lightning last year, of course, were a 128-point team. So what do we expect from Tampa Bay Lightning? Do we expect over 108.5 or under 108.5? I'm going to say over. I don't, you know, I I think that everything went right for them last year, right up until the playoffs. And, um, (laughs) you know, it's just one of those things of, yeah, even if they're not, Anywhere near as good as they were last year. 128 points is not repeatable, obviously. But I don't think they lost 10 wins in in what they had to rejigger to to make things work this summer. I, you know, did they lose six or seven? Maybe, but 10's a lot. So mm-hmm. yeah, I got to go I'm, over. I'm pretty much with you there. I think it's. Uh, th- they're going to be worse than last year, of course. Uh, but I still think they're the best team in the league. And the best team in the league usually finishes with more than 108 points. So yeah. I will uh, uh, I will slot them in as an over. Uh, la- the season prior to their uh, history-pushing campaign... They had 113 points, then 128 last season. This is to say that with Andre Vasilevsky as their primary goaltender, this team's not been worse than 113 points. Uh, so I, I think it'll be closer to this total than maybe a lot of people do. And there's a part of me that even considers that it could be like a 107-point season. But I think you have to take the over based on what's on that roster and and maybe a little bit of uh, determination to get their fucking yayas out in the regular season after what happened to them in the postseason. So, so who, who, so you mentioned Vasilevsky, who was their goalie the year that they missed the playoffs? Uh, that was, I'm just trying to make you guys talk oof. about Ben Bishop again. Oh wait, this is, Bishop, this is, well, this no, is my uh, attempt to it, get you guys to Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky did have 50 games. He, he, I mean, he'd had the, he had 50 starts that year, but, but Bishop was, had 32 starts that season. Yeah. That was the, that was the weird Ben Bishop trade year. When yep. they traded him, where, yeah. where they they he had one year left in his contract, they didn't trade him, didn't really use him much, then traded him for pretty much nothing at the end of the year, and we all still figured that Steve Eiserman was a a genius general manager. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, we haven't we had uh, Vasilevsky was hurt last year. Was he here at the previous year too, or did he just have that he one shitty? Might month? have been. I can't remember now, but, but he yeah. was definitely hurt for a spell last year, and they still wound up having. One of the greatest seasons in NHL history. So I'll take the over on that one. Yeah, I, I yeah, they're good. Very easy over, in my opinion. <laughs> Speaking of easy overs, in my opinion, one hundred one point five for the Toronto for the Toronto uh, Maple Leafs. Uh, their total last season, going into the season, was uh, what was it? One hundred six point five. So the course correction here: hundred point team last year. I will take the over on the 101.5 with pleasure on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I I, I have it. Again, this is how you know they, they're doing a pretty good job setting lines. Um, I This is another one where I am within half a point on my projections on, on what they uh, set as the line. I will take the half a point over. 
I will take the under because I'm reverse jinxing them. There you go. <laughs> oh, wait, I said that part out loud. Oops. Oh, no! Uh, yeah. <laughs> you said the quiet part loud. Oh, no. All right, moving over to the Metropolitan Division. The Carolina Hurricanes. Everybody loved them last year. Storm surge, celebrations. Won't happen this year, at least until Justin Williams gets back, which we all believe at some point he's going to rappel down from the rafters like Sting at some point in, like, December and rejoin the team. Hit Artemi Panarin with a bat. There you go. But what side is he on? 95. Well, that, that's not, that's different thing. That's no, he, wasn't he, they didn't know what side he was on or something? No, I thought it was, I thought it was at uh, the bash at the beach where Hogan turned heel. He uh, comes out and, and they're like, oh, here, the cavalry's coming in. And Bobby the Brain Heenan goes, but whose side is he on? And it's like, you just. Oh, no, that was definitely. No, that was. De- but uh, come on. It, it was Eric Bischoff was was booking the fucking thing. You didn't think they repeated an angle once or twice? There wasn't that. I thought no, it was no, also. No, no, no. No, this is. We're talking about two different we're things. All, we're just talking about the same thing. The Carolina Hurricanes over under is 95 and a half points. Last year it was 84 and a half points. They, of course, blew that shit out of the water with uh, a 99-point season. This time they're back, back again. 95.5 points is the over-under. Easy oh, over. Man. I, I want to say under so bad because I feel like the Hurricanes are... Every year there's that one trendy team that we get a little too crazy over. And I, feel, I look at the Hurricanes and it's like, good, good team, good year last year, still the, the goaltending you know or we we think this is this was this is long-term strong goaltending i'm not convinced they were 99 points i mean they they were only a wild card team last year uh i raw raw enthusiasm coach in his second year where sometimes that stuff it starts to be less effective missing justin williams all these reasons for me to say under and then they go and set the line in a way that makes it very hard for me to say under. Like, I I would be more comfortable betting on the Hurricanes to miss the playoffs. But, oh man, 95, that's right at that zone. Right in the bubble. Okay, you know what? I'm going to say under, but it's it, there, there's, there's no way I'd be actually putting money on the under here. Uh, but since I have to pick one, and, and since Ryan's already gone over, I, I will, I'll be the fake contrarian talk radio style, and, and I'll say under even though I think the line is pretty reasonable. I'll break the tie and say over. I I, I think Svechnikov is going to have a huge year. Uh, The defense is great. The Uh, only question is that goaltending. And with the addition of Reimer. I I feel better about life with Reimer there, don't you, than McElhaney? (sighs) Reimer's been bad for a couple years, man. I don't know. I I like James Reimer, but Curtis McElhaney was fantastic last year. Like, he was yet another one of those guys. And and that's the thing. Like, people people look at Carolina and and they say they've been good for years. They just, it was the goaltending and they fixed the goaltending. And it's like they got a 35 year old who had a crazy good season. Like, that's, I don't know. But I mean, how much of that was, was the goaltending and how much of that was a new coach? And a well, fucking well, the system's great. Stout, like stout blue line in front of him too. The the system's unbelievable for sure. But at the same time, it's like you know. I know. Um, I, know. I completely agree, man. But I, I have 
I look at the rest of this lineup, especially, I mean, Zingle's there, Hual is there. Uh, they're, they're probably going to have, uh, you know, a, a great season out of uh, Spreshnikov. If they can stay healthy up front and be as good and fucking Jake Gardner, like, that's, this is, a, this is a, a above this is a great 90. Ro- it's a great roster. It, yeah. For uh, I'm sure. I'm going to go north of 95 and a half. I, I, I'm fairly confident on that. How about this, um, Greg? Do you have them over 100? Do you think that, like, if the over-under was 100 po- or 99.5, where, where would you hmm. have them? <sighs> I would probably have them under. I was just okay. I, you, you, you made me look up something, and now I want to share this information with you. Okay. <laughs> How many times have the Hartford Whalers slash Carolina Hurricanes had a hundred point team? Two, one, one. Yeah. 90, uh, uh, 2005-06 when they right. won the cup. They were a 112-point team under Peter LaViolette. That is the only time in the history of the franchise going back to 1979 that they've had a 100-point team. Cool. <laughs> I think they're over. I think they're like a 102-point team. But I hope yeah, so. I, the, with that goaltending, kind of nothing would surprise me either. Yeah, mm-hmm. like if if the line had been at that ninety nine, that's where I thought the line was going to be, and then I could easily, somewhat confidently say under. Yeah. And, and but then they they threw me the curveball of going lower than I thought, and now I'm I don't know what to think. Yeah, it's tricky for sure. Columbus Blue Jackets over under uh, at the, right now is eighty four and a half points. Uh, last year it was ninety seven and a half points. And uh, they ended up they beat with it by one. 98 points, yeah. Yeah. So 84 and a half points to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Under for me. That is that is low. Uh, mystery bag in, in goal. Who knows? But, uh, I mean, everybody can't finish with 85 plus. I'll, I'll go under. I'm taking over. I think I think they're still a pretty decent team. Um, the, the, the nobody believed in us vibe is is a yeah, strongly that's the thing. in play. That's sort of like Islanders sort of pissed off. Johnny T fucking turned his back on the franchise. Everybody counted us out yeah. vibe. And I feel and, like Tortorella for, could really play into that well. Oh, he seems like the day. sort of guy who's just in there every day telling them how everybody thinks they're crap. No one, no well, one which he probably you. does anyways you got, with with a typical you gotta, game. You gotta <laughs> grab grab your lunch pail and go out and work. Uh, yeah, fucking it it plays right into his hands, his hacky hands. I'll take the over. I think the Blue Jackets could easily be they could easily hit fucking eighty five points. You know, which gets with you the that, over. Speaking of goaltending, with that goaltending, a guy who's eight ninety three two years in a row, and another who's never played in North America. I don't know, man. Oh, it could it it could be shit, but you have to also remember that that system isn't exactly like we're going to hang the goalie out to dry. I mean, it, it's 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 a conservative system to begin with. Sure, he can, he, he can get them to mediocrity. It's what he does best. Eighty five points. I don't know. I don't Take know. The over. The New Jersey Devils. This, now this is interesting. The Devils um, are at a uh, as as we do this podcast. 
I the early line on them in the summer was eighty eight and a half. The latest number I have on them is ninety and a half, and um, they're also a minus. Uh, where is it? One sixty to make the playoffs. So they're favored to make the playoffs. Ninety and a half point total uh, is is the total right now. Of course, last season the Devils were not good. Seventy two point team. So a ninety and a half point total means a close to twenty point improvement year to year. Yeah, they did not pick up twenty points this off season. They picked up a lot, but well, they might. I mean, keep in mind that seventy two points is with Taylor Hall having played like thirty games last yeah, year. Yeah, and 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 uh, with Corey Schneider being bad through what the end of November, I guess. Um, but. Yeah, I, like I think they've definitely improved. What did you say the line was again? One more time, sorry. Ninety and a half. Yeah, I got to take a slight under on that. I have him at eighty-seven, but I think it's I think it's going to be real close either way. Yeah, th- this one is is tough for me. I've been having this fight with uh, Devils fans and others people through my email and comment sections and everything because a couple weeks ago I wrote about the Devils and I said something about how they'd missed the playoffs for five years and they were likely to miss the playoffs again, and I had a bunch of people go what do you mean likely to miss the playoffs they're that they just had the best offseason in the league and they maybe did but I, I like i feel like on the one hand people don't realize how many points like 26 or whatever they need to make to get into a playoff spot is like that's yeah it's, Connor it's McDavid a is crazy a, amount Connor mcdavid is like a four or five win per year player so like did they add three Connor mcdavid's in the offseason <laughs> No, so you know it. Um, oh, they didn't. Ah, yeah, shit. You even, had to be even with there PK for a Zuman, even with Jack Hughes, even if Corey Schneider's better, even if Taylor Hall's healthy, like that, it's a huge gap to make up. The flip side yep. is, we see teams make that up every year. Like it's you know the the Avalanche did it a couple of years ago. The it, uh, teams every year it feels like there's one team that just makes that thirty point jump, and you go, oh okay, didn't see that coming. And this year, at least with the Devils, you can see it coming. At least with the Devils, there's a reason to expect. Like, this isn't last year's Islanders where it's there was no, didn't seem to be any logical reason to think they'd be better, and they were miles better. So, man, man I, I again, I feel pretty confident saying not going to make the playoffs. But if you're going to put the line at 90, uh, I'm, I'm going to go under on that. But uh, that's, that's more within the range of, of where I think they realistically wind up, uh, and and again, that's with decent health, and that's with Corey Schneider being Corey Schneider again, but he hasn't been Corey Schneider for a few years now other than a month or two here and there. A couple of months at yeah. the end of the year, yep. Look, I think there's something both of you are missing. <laughs> you can't win the Stanley Cup if you're not in the playoffs. Over on the Devils. Well, let me let me give you the counter. You can't win the draft lottery with Taylor Hall if you're in the playoffs. <laughs> well, wait. Can you still technically win the draft lottery with Taylor Hall if he's a UFA? Yes, because yeah, you, you still have, the you, you have his rights until until the lottery. Like you're okay. <laughs> I think they should let him go UFA and then trade his rights the morning of the lottery to like Buffalo or whoever. <laughs> That's fantastic. To Ottawa, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh, fuck. 
You could probably hey. talk them into giving you their first round pick too. Yeah, you know, Pierre, wait a second. <laughs> Pierre, it's Ray. What will you give me for this rabbit's foot? Love it. Uh, the New York Hockey Islanders. The over under for the Isles um, is currently, according to these odds that I see, ninety two and a half points is the over under. That's a tough one. Um, I feel like I am, despite what everybody may think, uh, I feel like I'm higher on the Islanders than most of the people I've seen this summer. Um, obviously, I don't see them being a 100-point team or whatever. They ended up with 106 last year, something like that. Uh, that's not going to happen. But like, this is a borderline playoff team that will, I think, easily pass 91 point, or 90 points. I have them at 91. Um, so I, I got to take the under just because the line's maybe a little higher than it should be. But yeah, I, I think that I think they're going to be fine. I've got them at under, not by a ton. Don't yell at me, Islander fans. You, I was wrong about everything last year. So if you can probably feel more confident that I'm once again, uh, doubting the magic of Barry Trotz and Mitch Korn. And uh, I mean, just when you, when you see a team have a, a, a big rebound season, largely based on goaltending and then lose one of its goaltenders, uh, that, that concerns me. So I wouldn't be not even lose. Let walk. Yeah. Just let walk. have a good one. And I know, like I, I said this again Insane. yesterday, like I get that everyone thinks it's, it's, it's the system and it's Barry Trotz and it's Mitch Korn. And, and but if anyone can be a great goaltender in that system, why do you spend twenty million on a goaltender? That's the part I don't understand. To go out there and and I know you know well, he's going to be a mentor to the kid that's coming. That's the, you don't pay twenty million for that. So I, I don't. It's a very strange situation to me. I could see it working. I'm last year. I like everyone else. I was shocked that the Islanders were good. I wouldn't be shocked this year at all. But I think it's more likely than not that. Some teams got to take a step back in that division, and, and I wouldn't be. Uh, I'm, I'm leading towards it being the Islanders. They rode the PDO train last year a little bit. And oh, you really think so, Greg? Yeah, and oh, I think okay. that as, right. as, Ryan, as Ryan likes to point out, uh, usually there's one team that rides the PDO train and then gets derailed in the following season. And when you combine that with two other factors, the first is that. You can't be the angry young men two years in a row and have a fucking chip on your shoulder two years in a row, especially after you've made the playoffs and showed everybody what you're made of. And then you did fucking Robin Lehner dirty. Let's be honest. The hockey gods will smite you for treating one of your players with such disrespect. Under for the New York Islanders. The New York Hockey Rangers. So the Rangers are uh, obviously a team on the upswing. A lot of people like them. Very high in the future power rankings on ESPN recently. The over-under for the New York Rangers is 87.5 points. This was after the Rangers were not good last year and had 78 points. So 87.5 points for the Rangers. Over-under. Very slightly under. I'd say within a win or maybe two. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think I'll take the under on this guy. Uh, their defense is so bad; it yeah, is not good. 
Yeah, I, I I think a lot of what I said about the Devils feels in play here. Great off season, but lots of ground to make up. Um, I don't know. Could they make up ten points though? Yeah, I feel like that's probably realistic. I'll I'll go a slight over. Hmm. All right, I will take the slight over as well. I think they could be an eighty-eight point team. I think it's possible. They're on the upswing. Truba on the power play. Two good goalies. Take a, I'll take the over. Philadelphia Flyers. Now, Ryan tipped his hand uh, recently and said that he does not believe the Flyers will be all that good. The over-under for the Flyers, 90 and a half points right now. And I have to imagine you're going to take the under on that one. No, i got to take the over. I have them. Oh. Oh, wait. No, not. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, I will oh. take the under. Sorry. I, <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> I was looking at the wrong thing. Yeah, I have him at 83. 83? So only one point better than last season, huh? Did you see what they did to their defense? Did you see who they hired as coach? Yeah, Elaine Vigneault. Great. Elaine Vigneault in his first year with a team. Ain't an 83-point coach. Tell you that Mm -hmm. right now. I I don't trust this. I don't trust this roster at all. Kevin Hayes, your boy. I think he's fine if he's your if he's your two three and not your one two. Mm. I'm gonna go under. Don't feel super confident about it. I'm not as down on them as as Ryan is, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, nudge him a bit a bit under that line. Yeah, I think the ninety and a half is one of those lines where maybe you 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 could miss this by a half a point. And they end up being like a ninety-point team. I think I think they're going to be better than a lot of people think. Um, I don't think they'll be a playoff team, but I think that there's a good chance they could get to ninety. But that still gets you under. So I'll take the under on this one. Oh, here's a tough nut to crack. If Kenny Malkin, Brandon Sutter, and the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Penguins over under heading into the season, boys. 94 and a half points. The uh, Pittsburgh Penguins last season, of course, were a playoff team. And uh, they had... Why can't I get to where the Penguins are on this stupid thing? Well, it's all freezy. Trust me, they were good. Yeah. <laughs> they were about a 100-point team last year, I want to say. 94 and a half like right points. In that neighborhood. 94 and a half points uh, for, the, for the Penguins. On the over-under this season, let's say you. I'll go over. Um, I, I have them third in that division at 98 points. Uh, but I don't feel great about it, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go over. That That line seems low to me, even though I think I'm more down on, on Pittsburgh than, than most. Uh, I think my... In my worst case for Pittsburgh, I think is a lot worse than than many people would think. I, I think if there is a team that is set to hit a wall hard and drop significantly more than we might think, uh, similar to the Kings last year, not saying they'd be down towards dead last overall, but that sort of big drop off, I, I think Pittsburgh has got a few of the warning lights on the dashboard. But when you're doing over-under, you're kind of looking for What's more likely, less likely, you, you don't get bonus points for being under by a mile. I, I still think it's more likely than not that they're a good team this year. So I'll say yep. over, even though I think that if they're a bad team, there's the potential for it to go very, very bad. By the way, I last s- last week I said uh, 
Malkin was going to play with Brandon Sauer. It's it's Brandon Tanev, and then oh. you just kind of uh, repeated that because uh, you know I was thinking you of, said Brandon Brandon Sutter last week, and, and then it didn't even occur to me that Brandon Sutter's not even on the team. Right. Well, so <laughs> I, I was I had in my head Greg. Uh, not great hockey player's name Brandon. Who Brandon that, will, who, who will get who, in an oversized role. Um, yeah, and, Brandon and then Tanev. Tanev, Tanev is, made you think of the Canucks, and yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, All right, Brandon Tanev, not Sutter. Yeah, um, I would say even worse. Then <laughs> I like this. Reminds me of like being in school and copying off some idiot's test. Like I, I, I should have known better yeah. than to trust you on player names. Uh, I will take. The over, because I think this is the this is that, that Chicago Blackhawks season where there's still a wild card right before they collapse. Yeah. You know? I'll take the I'll take the over on this one and say that they, they maybe even sneak into the playoffs. Washington Capitals, ninety six and a half points. Taking the over. Yep. Yep. All right. That's an easy easy peasy uh, they do lemon squeezy one. They do have to make a trade. Um, oh, they're over Actually, the cap right it's now. up. It's up to ninety-seven and a half. Do you still want it? Still yeah, take the that's over. Fine. Okay, yeah. sure. But yeah, they do have to make a trade, and it'll be interesting to see where they go with it for sure. Um, they're going to have the whole quote-unquote distraction because both Holtby and uh, Backstrom need new contracts. Backstrom. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're still they're going to be fine, mm-hmm. especially in you, you, uh, not very good division. So. 50 goals for Ovechkin over under. I, I, I'm just, I got to hit, hit under just because, like, he can't do it forever, can he? You know? But it would absolutely not surprise me if I didn't win that bet. Yeah, I, I'd also say under, but, like, 45 under. The guys, yeah, four, the guys I was going to say, he's like a 44-goal pl- scorer this year. What a bum. I'll take the, I'll take the over. Sixty-eight goals. You heard it here first. I will. I will walk into that Capitals locker room and be like, "The two guys I do a podcast with don't think you can hit fifty, buddy." What do you say to that? Uh, all right. Who's our guest this week, Ryan? Our guest this week is uh, Daniel Armbruster from the band um, Joywave, and super nice guy. We had a, a chat. They they were in Boston last week ahead of their. Um, or ahead of their show, they're they're on a tour right now, opening for Bastille, the very popular British band. Um, and yeah, he was a super nice guy, big Sabers fan. You don't hear too many Sabers fans on this podcast, so it was nice to talk to him. He uh, said all the right stuff. I didn't have to disagree with him on anything, which is nice. Um, <laughs> and yeah, no, he was a super nice guy, and it was it was a really good interview. So here it is. Hello, it's me. Daniel Armbruster. Well, I was going to intro okay. you, but that's fine. Right. I don't care. Yeah, I'll just do it myself. We're, we're, no, we're just rolling. Yeah, uh, I'm Ryan. Obviously, you know, you listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, we are Daniel is from the band Joy Wave. Yes. We are here in the green room. Yes. Uh, before their concert here in Boston tonight, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday the seventeenth, and a day, a day of labor peace. That's right. Yeah. No kidding. That was that was announced uh, yesterday. Late right? yesterday. Yeah. Um, that was the deadline by which the NHLPA had to do it. And were you as shocked as I was? Because, like, I couldn't believe it. I wasn't shocked because I, I think there would have been a lot of blowback uh, to the players well, from, there always from is, fans, right? Because, right? yeah. like, it's, you know, greedy owners, I think, plays better with the fans than greedy players. But it's it's the billionaires versus millionaires thing, you know? No it's, shit. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm... 
I'm just happy. Yeah, no, like <laughs> I, I just said to you, like I I have a job for three more years, so that yeah. sounds great. Yeah. At least you know, hey, uh, there, there's definitely like stuff to work out. Everybody's mad about escrow, right? Everybody's mad I about the Olympics, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I was, you know, like uh, I can't remember who wrote it, but somebody was like. Why don't they just take the deal now? And it's like, well, because they're giving up like fifteen percent of your paycheck, right? They, every paycheck, yeah, they, every and, two weeks. And you wouldn't let your boss do that. No, so. and you don't even know like how much it's going to be. That's right, right? Like you have the, a contract, and it's yeah. like I'm supposed to get ten million dollars this year, and then you get your paycheck. It's like it's eight and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah and like the guys who are vocal about it, I, I think I said this on the show a week or two ago, but it's like the guys who are vocal about it are like Jonathan Taves, and it's like the difference between his ten and a half million and like. 8.75 or whatever is a lot different yeah. than a guy who's like, oh, I'm barely on an NHL roster you here. You know what? A, a lot of these guys, like, this is something that when I was younger I had, like, uh, very little sympathy for, right? Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like, these guys are making millions exactly. of dollars. And, and it's like, right, but they have lived their whole lives to this moment. This is the only season of their life where they're going to make money. Yeah. And it's like, if they have to, like, get a job, like, waiting tables at Chili's someday, and you're like... Hey, didn't you used to be Jonathan Taves? No shit, and he's right. like, "Well, I still am, but I work at Chili's now." Right. Like, that's not that's not a good experience. Yeah, I th- I think to be fair to Jonathan Taves, like he the, won't have to work at Chili's. The ten yeah, and a half million okay. goes pretty far in the greater Winnipeg right. area, right? Yeah. Um, but, but but yeah, no, but like for fringe guys. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Making the minimum, and then they got to pay out their agent. They yep. got to pay an insane amount of taxes, yep. right? And then they're dealing with escrow too. And it's like some of these guys might only get a couple of years in the league. Did you did you see that there was something on the Athletic like maybe a month or two ago about like the hidden cost of playing in the NHL? Where like you're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars a year if like if you have a nutritionist, if you yes. have like it was like. It's one of those things you think about, yep. but like you got to have a money guy who watches your other money guy yep. to make sure that money guy, like a third money guy, is not like it's crazy. M- music is a little bit like that too. I bet. Where, like you have all these people who are making like commissions. So like when you're completely broke and like not nothing good has happened for you yet, it's it's awesome, right? Because everyone who works for you is working for free. But then as right. soon as like checks start to roll in, it's like. It's you know you you see like basically half of it like going out the window before right. like uh, before you pay your taxes you know yeah. so it's like insane because you got you guys had like a if I'm remembering right like a fairly big hit several years ago now yeah, yeah. and like how's that work for you because like I, I'm you know I, I I grew up listening to like a bunch a lot of punk bands and stuff like that and like even the punk bands who make it big they don't make it that big right right, right. like they're not near the top of the billboard alternative chart or whatever right. you guys like how how world shifting is that for you uh not to, like I'm not asking you like give me some dollars and cents here right obviously, well, the but. exact amount is no um <laughs> I mean, it's it's great because it it gives you the 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 song you're talking about is a song called Dangerous that I sing on with uh, uh, Big Data. Yeah, and uh, that was great because it was an entry point for a lot of people in our band. So sure. it really like helped build our band's touring career and profile. And then the song itself got used in a ton of like advertisements and stuff. Yeah. And uh, it it really alleviated a lot of the pressures of like trying to be a, a, yeah. a musician you know what i mean like we have our own studio now and like that's we can tight. record everything in my house which is great um yeah man that's sick yeah like we could have done the podcast in my place well we i mean i'm not i'm not you're gonna have a hard time getting yeah. me to go to buffalo i'm gonna be honest with you you're rochester am rochester, i right about this yeah yeah, yeah. 
So big a Mercs fan are we? <laughs> a Mercs? Yeah, the uh, the Amerks are uh, oh, okay. very popular. No yeah, do you call them the Amerks? I, you know what? I guess it's one of those things of I've only ever seen it written. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things like that. I uh, I go to I go to some Amerks games. I go to more Sabers games. Sure. Um, but uh, well, you have that studio in your house, money. You, yeah, you can... yeah, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, I try to not leave the house as much as possible. Understandably, right? So. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I went to Amherst games growing up. Um, I, I think, uh, I saw Marty Brodeur was like my favorite player growing up. Sure. And, uh, I, but I, I didn't get into hockey for real until like fourth grade. Same actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I, a friend had a birthday party on opening night for the Amherst where they played the Utica Devils. It, it was the 92, 93 season. I think, and I, I had the Amherst look it up for me because I was like, maybe I saw Brodeur that night and I didn't even yeah. know it. And I he was on the roster, but I think the other goalie wow. played that night. So I, um, I mine was so you got you just got roped into it because it was a birthday party. Yeah, and I was like five and didn't have a choice. Right. Yeah, my I was like nine or ten the first time I went to a college hockey game. Like I'd been to a Bruins game, but yeah. like a million miles away. And yeah. like I think there's something to the immediacy of like a small rink and the game's right there and it's so fast. Yeah. And uh, I remember like my dad came home from work on a Friday night and he's like, we're going to a hockey game tonight. I bought season tickets to the local college team. They're good this year. And I was like, dad, Urkel is on tonight. What are, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he was like, well, tough shit. You're going. And we went and like, I was just like, boom, like yeah. this is everything I've ever wanted in my weekend entertainment as a nine or 10 year old. Um, and, like, you know, remember Dwayne Rollison played oh, yeah. for the Sabres for a yeah. million years? He was on that team. He was the goalie for that uh, UMass Lowell oh, team. Oh, wow. And, um, and like, uh, we later got a an AHL team. And the, like... Monsters? The Lock Monsters, yeah. yep. Yeah, And uh, guys who played on those, like, early Lock Monsters teams, Roberto Luongo. Okay. Zidane Chara. I, like, I moved in March and I was going through like a box of stuff I had apparently taken from my parents' house that I didn't, you know, whatever. Um, like I lived in my previous place for like a decade. So, um, and so like, yeah, it was just a box of shit that had like moved from house to house or whatever. And in it was a, like a low lock monsters game used signed Zidane Chara puck. And I was like, wow, damn, that's, that's so sick. But yeah. So like, was it a thing of you like, Probably you were aware of the Sabres, but didn't care about them as a... I, I I loved the New Jersey Devils first because I was such a Marty Brodeur fan. So how do you become but a Brodeur it, fan then? Uh, you know, I really liked hockey cards. Okay. Like, that was like one of the entry points for me yeah. too, was I, I really loved collecting the cards. And Brodeur was, uh, it was the 94-95 season, the first season I really paid attention. Mm -hmm. And Marty was like just kind of coming up. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, the playoffs were obviously insane that year. The, De the Devils won it all. Um so just like watching that, and I was like, man, this guy is like primed for greatness, and like I was, I was totally in. But I was simultaneously like a like a Sabres fan because like Hashik was there. Sure, and, uh, yeah. it was like the Pretty really good the era. Yeah, own, right? it was kind of the goaltending era, you know. Yeah, and Wah too. Yeah, like Jesus. And uh, in you mentioned Roberto Longo for a minute. When I was uh, you know collecting the cards, I would always mail them out to teams to try to get autographs. Wow, and, and uh, that like works, right? It did. It yeah. did. I don't know that it still does, but um, you would put in a card, a note. 
and a self-addressed stamped envelope to send the card back to Sure. And uh, I remember getting, uh, this is like in my 20s now at at my parents' house, I got like a ratty-looking envelope with my handwriting on it addressed to myself, and I was like, what is this? And I opened it, and it was an autograph from Roberto Luongo like a decade later. Like I had Weird. And I had sent it to him when I was in like... Sixth or seventh grade or something when he'd been drafted by the Islanders. Yeah, and I sent it there, and when it got sent back to me, he was like on the Canucks, and I wow, I like really appreciated that. Like over all that time, it just got, like was in a box in the back of his house or it, something. Yeah, yeah. And then he like still like actually bothered to sign it for like twenty something me. Yeah, for, <laughs> from what I understand, like just a mega mega nice guy. Roberto he seems like Longo, it, yeah. yeah, very so, funny too. Oh yeah, yeah, super duper fun. Yeah. Are you a big hockey Twitter? Uh, yeah, I, okay. I, I mean, like, he's he's kind of the best one. Like, watching the, like, hockey insider guy versus, like, yeah, sure. <laughs> the goalie with the question mark. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> but, yeah, so, Sabres, what do you think this season? Uh, I think they're going to be a little bit better. Uh, I'm glad we got Jeff Skinner re-signed. Uh, I hope that uh, Victor Olofsson is able to, to take a step forward. He scored, like, 30 goals for the Amherst last mm. year. Um, if he can kind of like click on the second line with Sam Reinhardt, uh, you know, it might be okay. But I, I think unfortunately the, the, the bottom nine is still like a little, uh, or the bottom six is still like a little, little suspect. I, I would have said bad, but <laughs> you <would've> said <laughs> yeah, bad. I'm trying to be nice. Yeah, sure. I understand. I have to, they're nice to me. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like the the thing that's encouraging for me, and the thing I've all I've thought about the Sabers for years is, oh, their their defense is just horrible. Like, it's, it's, I don't think it's horrible now. I agree. That's yeah, what I was yeah, going to yeah, say. Yeah. Like, they went out and added a bunch of guys who are fine. Yep. And like, I don't know if you remember. I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago, there was a summer where the Florida Panthers went out and signed like every half decent free agent on the market and made the and maybe either came close to making the playoffs or made the playoffs and it's like, well you got half an oak NHL team. Was so, that like Stephen Weiss's like last season there? Oh, they, it might they, have been. They, yeah. They, I'm like, trying to remember. It. Yeah. They, I think they, they snuck in. I'm trying I can't remember who all they got, but it was just a bunch of guys where it's like, yeah, I guess he's okay. Like and they overpaid for all of them, but like they had they had guys who could play a little bit for the first time in forever. The the problem with the way the league is set up now with like the the draft system is that the worst thing you can be is okay. Yep. Because you'll never get better. I've been like, saying it for years. Yeah, and and I, I mean there was a lot of people in Buffalo up, upset about you know tanking, and, and it's like uh, yeah, but you don't tank, you don't get Jack. It, Eichel, right? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, we we needed Jack. Yeah, and it's it's not like your Edmonton where it's like. Uh, we accidentally tanked for eight years straight. Like we're, you know what I mean. Like at least at least Tim Murray it. was like, okay, you like we're yeah. gonna we're gonna be insanely bad on purpose. Sorry, but we have to. Yeah, yeah. And uh, dude, I mean, the Edmonton thing kind of blows your mind. Where you're like, uh, okay, well maybe you know tanking doesn't work, right? Right. If you're if you're well, if you make a bunch of bad trades, right? If you trade away everybody who's any yeah, good, yeah. You're, you know, but hey, Zach Cassian is uh, Connor McDavid's right wing for this coming season. So, Sabres draft pick, Zach Cassian. That's true. Yeah. He bounced around a little bit, right? He, yeah, I was in Montreal for a second. Maybe the Canucks as well. Yeah, if I'm remembering yeah. right. Yeah, 
But that was one of those things, too, where the Sabres did draft pretty poorly for a while. Where, like, even yeah. even the guys where it's like, oh, I guess he's okay, was like, that's the absolute max. You, you got to hit on some of the... I mean, I mean, they failed on the first rounders for, like, a... Like, Tyler Myers was, like, the only, like, decent first rounder for, like, a six-year period yeah. in there. And then, you know, they failed on every, like, second and third round pick, too. And it's like, you got to hit on some of the you, second you rounders. Need, you need the fourth and fifth round guys, for yeah. sure. Like... Two of them yeah. to come through, Just and something. you're fine. Yeah, but yeah, you 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 really got to make hay with the first two rounds, <laughs> like yeah, because that's I mean the 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 likelihood that you're gonna get even uh, like a second line guy, uh, like you can fill out the rest of your roster with fourth and fifth round picks, but if you don't get a, a first or second line guy in the first two rounds, you're probably not gonna get one, like. Henrik Lundqvist, or Henrik, well, I guess he was kind of a late pick, too, but Henrik Zetterberg was, like, a sixth-round yeah, pick or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you're not going to do... Datsuk was, like, yeah, insanely... Like, like, yeah. There's um, been teams like that that are just, like... like, like Fall ass-backwards into... Tampa Bay? Like, how does Tampa Bay, like, seem to, like, make a good pick every single time? Well, they're not afraid to take small guys, is what I would say. Yeah. Like, a lot of teams are, and they're like, oh, yeah, he's 5'9", but he can skate like crazy. Like, I, awesome. I, I was hoping the Sabres would take uh, Cole Caulfield. Yeah. Because uh, I, I'm him, real him excited. Jack together. I'm real excited to watch him. Yeah, but uh, by all accounts, Dylan Cousins is a... a Great pick with a, a bright future. Yeah, no, I, I I liked a lot of the picks in the first round. Maybe not the most cedar pick to uh, Detroit, yeah, but that that was weird. Was, yeah, like I just I, I think I've I've said it before, but like just when Pierre Maguire is like, oh, he could be the next Brandon Carlo. It's like, okay, I mean, like he's fine, <laughs> yeah, but he yeah. was like the fifth pick overall yeah. or whatever it was. I, I trusted it because it was Steve Eiserman, and after after all those like great Tampa Bay yep. picks, I was like, he definitely knows something that I don't know. Yeah, and also I don't know anything. So. <laughs> sure, and like apparently he's been pretty impressive in camp for for the Red Wings so far. So maybe like you know if 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 it's Brandon Carlo as a baseline, you take that. But, yeah. Um, where are you on Rasmus Ristolainen? This is the hot button issue for all Sabres fans. I know. I, it's it's the thing where it's like the he's he scored some big goals. Like I, you know, I've, I've, there's been some overtime winners where I was in this in the arena. I was like, it's amazing. You know, like he he has some big moments, but I I know the the underlying metrics are not good. They're not. That yeah, is correct. So, so uh, it's it's a, a gut versus math thing. Yeah. So I I if we can get something. Good for him, sure. But if they're trading him out for like a a third line guy or something, I I would much rather keep him. Mm, I don't no. know. No, I I just wrote something literally like it went up two three hours ago. I think that was like him, um, Cody CC now with Toronto and uh, Ivan Provorov from Detroit or uh, from Philly. Yeah. Like, they are the three guys who have been on the ice for the most, or maybe have the worst goal difference over the last, like, three seasons by a lot. Like, it's not even particularly close. I, w- I want to see, I want to see if Ralph Kruger can ad- yeah. address some of that with Ristolainen, because I, he's a bit, like, he's a big, strong guy, he, he's yeah. got a hard shot, like, I, you know, some of that could have been, like, him not being a good fit for the system. Yeah, and I mean, well, Grant. The, to and be he fair, to for, he had to play like first pairing. Yeah, that, that's the thing, the right? Guy. Like, just just be like, you know what? You're our like four five D. You're our first power play unit guy because you're yeah. great on the power yeah. play. Yeah. 
like put him in a position to succeed, right. and he might succeed. Well, who are they going to put out there? That's and that's floor. the problem, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Now, granted, the answer is probably literally any defenseman you yeah. have might have done as well or better, but yeah, it, it's it's tough because like, you know, the the numbers guys have been saying for years, like, God, you got to get Ristolainen out of there, yeah. dude, yeah. and and they just they're like. What if we give him 26 minutes a night? Yeah, yeah. It's tough. I mean, there was no one else to play for so long. No, for sure. So long, it was just, man. So so you mentioned Ralph Kruger. Like, what are your, were you a, um, Christ, now I can't even remember his name. Who was the last coach? Phil Housley. Phil Housley. Are you, were you a Phil Housley guy at all, or? Uh, I was excited about it at first, you know, Mm because the history and obviously, like, Nashville's defense has been so good for so long. Right. He was the assistant there, like, handling that, so. I was initially, uh, and then they had that great stretch, you know, last year with Christmas. the ten games or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, then it, and then them in St. Louis traded places, and Ryan O'Reilly won the Smythe. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm happy for him though. He's he's very nice. Yeah, he's very nice. He likes he likes music a lot. That's yeah, I, yeah, yeah. He's like one of the. There was a story around here where some like he was in a guitar center like during the Cup final. Did yeah. you see this? I, I didn't. Okay, and and some guy was like, "You're Ryan O'Reilly," and he's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "The Blues suck, dude," and he's like, "What are you gonna say?" Yeah, sure, I get it. <laughs> and then like the Ryan O'Reilly bought that guy a guitar. Oh, he did. And it's like awesome. he seems like a chill dude. Yeah, that's awesome. When he's not driving a truck into a Tim Hortons, <laughs> um, he uh, yeah he uh, he was like asking about like interfaces one time. We were talking about like like different mics and stuff for like home recording setups. And yeah, stuff. and there's there's the there's this like Fender series. I I told him he needed to go, and it's this series of Fender Telecasters from the '90s. And they were limited to like. 200 and they were like in collaboration with the nhl whoa each team had one it's all like the 90s logos and i can i can like you can find one on ebay like very rarely yeah just like a random team but like they're out there and i know that they exist and i've like asked our fender rep about them like a whole bunch of times and every time he's just like i have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) so i didn't i didn't realize how like involved with the sabers you were i guess like that you're just hanging out shooting the shit with ryan oh no i we we uh we played their home opener uh two seasons ago now that's pretty involved they were very they were very nice and they let us meet a couple of the players that's cool yeah yeah so like when you get that call how psyched are you so psyched yeah yeah is everybody in the band a hockey fan or just just me just you hell yeah yeah yeah, like you, you'll run into that every once in a while. Where uh, uh, I, I interviewed Stefan from this Toronto punk band Pup, and um, he's really the only. Ho- they're from Toronto, and he's yeah. like the only hockey guy yeah. in the band. Um, and it, it, it's weird how that kind of lines up. I guess maybe if you're like a big music guy, you're like I don't really have so much time for sports. I don't yeah. know. But what, so what's the process of like playing for like the home opener? Like like what did you guys play like a twenty minute set? Did you play like a a song uh, or two we, before? No, we played like for an hour out like on the plaza. Before oh, okay. Yeah, that's tight. It was, it was very awesome. Yeah. Um, cool like I, I had a good time it's it's fun kind of there there's not like a there's some overlap in hockey and music oh yeah but but not like there is with like uh football or like basketball, basketball or something yeah. where people are like so it's that's like exciting to to me and that like uh 
like I've like gone on like NHL Network and stuff and like talked right. to Kevin Weeks and stuff. And we get to have those opportunities because there's not like a million artists, that right? Are, like, uh, yeah, they're like asking to. It's to like do the things. thing I always say about like uh, the NHL awards, where it's like. They go, you. Uh, this guy, like, he's on some ABC right. show, but he's a Kings fan, and you right. and you have to go cool. Right, that's the thing. Like, see, I, I can like feasibly next year we could play the NHL awards or something because there's not there's not like right. a ton of people who are like, yo, I love this sport. Let us do it. Yeah, like, I mean, there are, but not not like uh, uh, musicians as much. Right, like I I feel like that's just a thing. Like you have your manager make a phone call or something, and like you're uh, I'm backstage with Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon or whatever. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you you should one hundred percent get on that. I, I want to. Like I feel uh, I feel like the the hockey band right now though is the Arkells. Oh yeah, are, for who sure. Are very famous in Canada. They, they played they played it here. last year, maybe two years ago. They yeah. played the NHL yeah. awards, and they and they when, were good. They're a good band. When they play in Buffalo, because it's right over the border, yeah. they play like the huge like uh, uh, outdoor area where like five or ten thousand people can fit. But then like. You know, when they get into the the rest of the country, like it's really like uh, yeah. Like if much you're with, smaller. if you're within an hour of the Canadian border, yeah, it's, it's going to be a huge night, and then they're going to play like a mid sized club here, right? Yeah, like we did a whole run uh, in the U.S. with uh, Metric a few years ago. Yeah, sure. Like arena band, in mega like bands that are big in Canada are so fascinating to me. Right? You know, you know what it is? They have protectionist laws. For, they do for media. Yeah. So when we go to Canada, no one's ever heard of. Of us before because it's something like 60% of uh, broadcast content has to be of Canadian origin right. or written by a Canadian and that's not me. Sure. So, so like basically the 40% of their system that I would theoretically be included in is going to like massive, it's going to like Weezer. Right. right. It's going to like massive American bands. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, there, that's like very common pretty much every other country. Yeah. Like, except here. Except, well, because we don't have to, because we're, we're like the middle of the well, empire, hang on, right? Hang on. Like, I want to have that rule because Bastille is headlining tonight and they're from the UK. Cowards. Right? Right? Like, we this should bullshit. Tariff, we dude. should tariff them out of here and Joy Wave should be headlining tonight. You know what? I agree. Trump needs to get on this. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, these bands are coming over. They're, t- they're taking Joy Wave's jobs. <laughs> but yeah, like, it, it's funny you mentioned that, like, uh, this is a, to me anyway, as a person who goes to a lot of like punk and, and yeah. metal shows and stuff like that, this is an insanely huge venue. Very big. Um, I, at this venue a couple of months ago, uh, a friend of mine hooked me up with with a ticket to see um, Blondie open for Elvis Costello. Okay. And like, that's the level of band that I'm like, oh yeah, no, they like, I saw Vampire Weekend here once yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, yeah, that's like who should be, like, yeah. And then, like for you, for you, I'm sure you're like. No, it makes tons of sense, and we can all agree that we deserve <laughs> to be here. Like, but th- that's the that's the thing I'm saying though is like, at some point you have to be like you reach a level of fame where like your best deal, and you're like, it fucking makes perfect sense for me to play this insanely big yeah, venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I I guess from what you just said, like you don't feel like that at all. Like, is that still like a weird thing to you? I don't know. It's it's this thing where. Uh, I don't think you can ever like really rationalize it because like your your heroes and stuff are always like a generation before you. Sure. Right. So like I, like probably Connor McDavid doesn't register that he's Connor McDavid, or or it feels. Like I wonder weird at what him. point you like you do like if you're Sidney Crosby, like you have to be like, but I'm fucking Sidney Crosby. What no, you know? But Sidney Crosby is like I'm not Wayne Gretzky. 
Sure. Yeah. You know, Wayne Gretzky's like, I'm not Gordy Howe. Right. I wish I could be that's Gordy a, Howe. That's a great point. And it's, yeah. and it's always that. And then, like, but to Sidney Crosby, like, Wayne Gretzky is Gordy Howe. He's better than Gordy Howe. And, like, to yeah. Connor McDavid, like, you know, Sidney Crosby's, like, better than Wayne Gretzky. Like, it's, yeah. it's always, like, and it's, it's really hard to have any type of meaningful perspective on because you can't, like... There, one of the guys from Pink Floyd famously said something about his greatest regret in life was never being able to see a Pink Floyd concert because <laughs> he, he, possi- he couldn't possibly perceive it, right? Yeah, like you're trapped within your own casing at all times. Right? Yeah, yeah. I to that point, like I remember during the draft this year, I can't remember who it was, but somebody where they were like, "Oh yeah, I grew up, you know, watching Johnny Gaudreau," and I'm like, "He's like 24 years I old. Saw that I'm gonna too, kill myself." I yeah, dude. I yeah. Like, I saw Johnny Gaudreau play in college, like, six, seven years ago, whatever it was, and it's like, come on, dude, don't say that shit to me. Like, I understand the passage of time, like, I'm now older than the vast majority of people in the NHL, but, like... That's another weird thing, is that, like, uh, like, I can be, like, excited to meet Jack Eichel. Right? Yeah, and he's like he's a child. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like ten years younger than me or twelve years younger than me. I'm just like, Mr. Eichel, can I have your autograph? You right. Know? And he's like, Who is this strange man who's bothering me? Yeah, he, I, I grew up like two, three towns over from him. Okay. So like, he was always just someone like you'd see in the newspaper, even when he was like twelve years old or whatever. Of like, yeah, this how, kid's how crazy is that? Because like, uh, uh, I, I recently was kind of like thinking about that at what age do these people become special and i googled the first interview with Sidney crosby and it's with his local newspaper when he's like six yeah and if you read it it's like answers he would give now it's unbelievable how how like the, <laughs> how just perfectly down the yeah. yeah down the middle they are and like i can't imagine what that would do to me at like uh, oh i know it's gonna it's six. gonna be insane like there's the i think it was like an hbo documentary like six or seven years ago about like basically like the factory farm of, of like having an elite athlete like yes. how regimented it has to be and stuff like that um but like i the thing about Sidney crosby i want to say the guy who gave wayne gretzky the nickname the great one was like when he was like nine years old and just putting up 18 goals a game in some like major midget or whatever the fuck like it's um you want you want to you want to have that kind of experience go look at like steven stamkos's stat line from the year before he played in the ohl where like he played you know let's say it's 25 games and he put up like 190 points or something some crazy number like that and it's like what? Yeah, I, I was talking to I I did something with the uh, the Kings last week when I was in LA, just like a silly like social media thing mm-hmm. with their with their mascot. And one of the guys who's on the broadcast team, who's a retired player now, was I, I was kind of asking him about about like you know you live your whole life up to this moment, and then you're like an elder statesman or like retired at like you know thirty five, yeah. and like what that does to the psyche, and you just telling me how crazy and, and strange it was yeah. to, to be like, well, I'm, I'm done and old now because I'm 35 years old. Yeah, there's um, there's this tweet that gets retweeted every once in a while where it's like, me at 35, like it hurts to get out of bed and then, you know, whatever. It's like, this is the oldest player in the NBA. He's 32. It's a miracle he's still playing. And it's like, oh my God, that's, that's shockingly true. Like, I can never remember if I'm, like, a year older or younger than LeBron James, who's been around forever, yeah. and they're all talking, like, he's going to die soon. Right. Like, and yeah. it's like, nope, he's uh, he's my age. I'm very depressed about that. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, no, like I'm rapidly approaching the day when I'm like older than every player in right, the league. Right. Yeah. It's uh, weird to uh, think uh, about. Like uh, growing up, like Brian Gianta was like the best player from Rochester. I saw him play in college. Yeah. Ryan Callahan from Rochester too, and they're like both retired now. Yeah, they're they're like enfeebled at this point, where it's like. I'm, I, you'll never hear Brian Giante again. He's, you know, he's decrepit at 38 years Brian? old. Yeah. He's around town. No, he's I know, all, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but they're just like, that's a name I haven't heard. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh man. So, I, I don't want to keep you here. Um, uh, you can keep me here as long as you like. Okay, well. As long as we're talking hockey. Well, the, th- the thing is this. We, yeah. This is this will be on a uh, season preview episode oh, great. that we have not recorded yet. Um, so that's going to be long anyway. Yeah. We, we, can't, we can't also go 45 minutes. People will be mad at us oh, for having, right. a, having a two hour and 15 yeah. minute episode What's or whatever. What's this stupid band on my podcast? Yeah. I, and like. I get it, man. Sometimes, like, podcasts I listen to, they pop up in the feed and they're like, oh, this is an hour and 45-minute episode. And it's like, what are you doing to me? Yeah, I can't go longer than an hour on a podcast. Yeah, well, don't listen to this episode. No, I won't. Be <laughs> Smart. <laughs> um, so I guess this is your you – got, you got a record coming out um, yes. beginning of next year? Yeah, I, I think it's currently scheduled to come out in March – of next year. Okay, so right around playoff time. Right around playoff time. We got a. Uh, we've got some songs out now, though. Uh, our our first like official single from the record, Obsession, is out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a music video for it. It's. Uh, I checked both of those out. Very oh, good. Great. Thank you. You're uh, welcome. And uh, uh, another song called Like a Kennedy is also out now from the new record. So it's it's this thing now where you know people like binge things mm-hmm. of of all media types. So, yeah. Uh, they try to release singles. Uh, ahead of the album now to force people to take a minute and, and digest things versus yeah. uh, the old way of doing it where here's the record and people are done with it the next week. Yeah, I, I gotta tell you, I very rarely, if ever, will listen to a single before the record comes out. Me, I'm the same way. I, I, I think that's it. a music guy thing. I think it is. Because I, yeah, other bands I know or whatever, they're like, I would never in yep. a million years. Like, my favorite artist ever, I will wait for that record yep. to come out. I don't want to know anything yep. about it. If I see a single, I I want nothing to do it. Because I, I, I primarily enjoy albums. You know? Yes. Like, if, if there's an artist that has, like, one good song, I'm like, I, I'm not going to, like, make a playlist and, like, weed out, you know, your, your yeah, song. Yeah, no, uh, any, any, like, any playlist I ever make, it's like, oh, I just, like, fell in love with this album track. Yep. It's usually not even a single. Yeah. And that's how, I, I don't know. That's how I feel like it's got to be, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he's Daniel Armbruster. I'm Ryan Lambert. The band's Joywave. The podcast you're already listening to. I don't have to plug it. Uh, thanks, bud. Appreciate hey, thanks it. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you. Today's episode of Puck Soup is sponsored by SeatGeek. With millions of live event tickets from sports and live music to comedy and more, SeatGeek has the tickets you've been looking for all in one place. And here's the thing I love about my SeatGeek. They rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10 and display them on an interactive seat map. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. It's a very, very simple system to follow. That way you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. And plus, every purchase on SeatGeek is fully guaranteed, so you can shop on SeatGeek with confidence. No wonder they have 50,000 plus five-star reviews. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone. As I've told you many times, it is the only way I am searching for any kind of concert ticket. 
Uh, we were noodling through some John Mayer tickets recently on the old SeatGeek app to maybe take the lady for some uh, romantic music and blues jams. Here's the best part. SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you got to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today. Enter the promo code SOUP. That's S-O-U-P, SOUP, for $10 off your first ticket purchase. That's promo code SOUP for $10 off your first purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. They've got the tickets. A proud sponsor of the Buck Soup podcast. So weird hearing uh, Sabres talk on this podcast and not the three of us just dunking on the team. I mean, there was a little dunking, to be fair. But, yeah, you know. All right. Like I said, nice guy. They have a new album out uh, in March is what it's looking like right now. So check them out. And Bastille is the one who did Pompeii, right? That song? I Either that or pa- Pompeii did Bastille. Who knows? I don't know. This, <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Who's to say? Uh, all right. Western Conference time on the over-under previews. The Chicago Blackhawks. Now, Under. Chicago. Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, no, well, let me finish. <laughs> I've, you might, you're going to want to hear this. <laughs> 90 fo- 90.5 points for the Chicago Blackhawks. Their over-under total last year was uh, 84.5, and the Blackhawks ended up with um, 84. So that if you took the under, great success. Uh, 90.5 points, Brian. Under. I was right. Um, I have him at 86. I think that is fair, um, given how not good that defense is and how many question marks there are at the bottom of that forward group. So, Yeah, de- defense isn't good. Uh, they did fix the goaltending, I think. I, I'm a, I, I think Robin Leonard was... They at least have the parachute for, yes. if, uh, for if Crawford is Yeah, I don't... Not I'm not... Crawford. At this point, I'm not really going to bank on Corey Crawford until I've seen it. Correct. But, but Robin Leonard, I think even even away from the magic of Mitch Korn, uh, will be a significant upgrade on Cam Ward. The other piece of that, though, is you look at the Blackhawks last year, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane both had outstanding years. Outstanding Especially years. in yeah. Taves' case, like a career year, at an age where you don't usually see that from forwards, and they were still only an 84-point team. So... Uh, oh man, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna say over, but that that's oh. not a very confident sounding over. I, I just based on the goaltending. I I think you when you don't have Cam Ward torpedoing your your season, uh, I think you can be three wins better. But the 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 idea of of not so much not so much Kane, but but Taves taking a, a step back production wise worries me. But not. Yeah, I'd be enough. I'd be generally surprised if they if they came anywhere close to 270 team goals like they did last right. year. Um, but that said, the goaltending is going to be is going to help them out defensively. The, the the blue line's a mess, a mess, um, and I a, a mess to the point where I'm confident to say under 90 and a half. I mean, but it's it's not going to be a disastrous year. Like they're going to be like an 89 point team, uh, just kind of be okay, maybe threaten the bubble for a little bit. But that division is fucking real tough. Yeah, and, and, they, and uh, like they needed to, like Buffalo last year, they needed to go on that insane run just to get back to vaguely respectable, and everybody acted like yeah. it was a disaster. I don't know. Right, right. Colorado Avalanche, 98 and a half points for the Bell of the Ball, everybody's favorite team. Everybody's on their tip. 
are they are they a hundred point team now, or will they be a hundred point team later? Ninety points last season, ninety eight and a half the over under for the Avalanche. I have them at ninety four, so I, I I guess I got to take the under. Yeah, I'm I'm this this is another one of those teams I've been kind of banging the drum on. I I think we're all getting a season or two ahead of ourselves, anointing these guys as like top tier cup contenders. I, I obviously yep. Mm-hmm. Look, the the team is good. The youth on the way is is very good, especially the blue line. I mean that that blue line is going to be ridiculous in a few years. But this is this is like I mean ninety points last year, and that was with fourteen lo- loser points. Like they won thirty eight games. They won fewer games than Arizona. They won one yeah. more game than Minnesota. One more game than like, Minnesota. It's yeah. and and yeah. The flip side of that is when you have a lot of loser points, it means that if you had one more games past regulation, your record would be better. So you, you you can't go overboard on looking at that. But I just uh, the, it just feels like everybody can see where these guys are headed, and they've done a great job putting themselves on that track. But it just feels like we're ahead of ourselves, feeling like they're already going to be a hundred point. I, like it wouldn't stun me if it happened this year, but I think it's I think this is more of a two or three years down the road thing than than one year. So I'm going to say under. And- and an eight-point improvement is still an improvement off of 90. Like, the, a 98-point season for mm-hmm. them puts them in the it's top three of the Central. Yes. Yeah. And it's a huge step forward, uh, but it's still under this number. So I would take the under based on that logic. Dallas Stars, they add Joe Pavelski to the mix. 93 points last season. 96.5 is the over-under uh, right now for the Dallas Stars. Just under for me. Boy, for that's... all the reasons we've discussed before that you get mad at me about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to say, yeah, that's another one of those lines that feels just about right. I'll yeah. go I'll go under, but it's, yeah, again, there's, this, is, this is another one. I'd, I'd be going nowhere near this if I was actually putting my own money on the line. We're talking basically two more wins. For Dallas off of last year, a year, let's remember, where the team's CEO basically called these two best players horse shit. I don't think <laughs> you need to point. say basically. He yes. Did. That was, yeah. And he, and he well, appended sorry, the word uh, fucking in front of it. This, so. this, is, this is me admitting that I use the word basically and literally too often as a writer. I understand that. 97 points is, is a completely plausible total for this team. Um with great goaltending and, and maybe a, a bit more offense. To, I mean, they had fucking 210 goals last year, for God's sakes. Yeah, it was really points. bad. They also had the second points. best goaltending in the mm-hmm. league last year, which yeah. I don't Who's know goalie? I can I, I think Yeah. Oh, Jesus. It was, it was it, Anton Kadovan, okay. you know that. Uh, 97 points for Dallas to take the over on that one. Minnesota Wild, 84 and a half points for Billy Guerin's boys is the over-under at this point for the Wild. Uh... That kind of feels high. Actually, wait. Uh, actually, actually, eighty-seven and a half is the over/under that I have now. The eighty-four and a half was a summer total. Eighty-seven and a half is the total they have in front of me now. Uh, under. Yeah, I'd, like one and a half points, or yeah, one and a half points. I'd, I'd go under on it. Like I feel like we're a little bit too down on the wild because of the ridiculous off season that everyone is sort of expecting. This team's going to be junk. But they were 
only like an 83-point team last year. I don't know that they've significantly improved other than in the front office, which is good news, of course, but also when you have a new GM, sometimes that lessens the pressure to get out there and uh, necessarily win right away. This is, they're, they're such an interesting team. I wrote a thing during the summer about like the half dozen teams that confused me the most and the wild were on that list. Um, my, my buddy Dom at the athletic, uh, has them as a 93 point team, uh, which is, he, he's very he's high, very on, high on them. Like, yeah. And, and you know, again, yeah, yeah, that they, they were a great defensive team. If they could, they were the best defensive team. In yeah. The league and that was with Matthew Dumba missing like, a big chunk of this, the season. So, uh yeah defense can fix a lot of things but i i don't know i'm that if the original line i might have struggled a bit but if if you're nudging it up to 87 which implies by the way given that they didn't really make any significant roster changes that implies that that betters are going high which is why the line is moving up so i'm maybe going against the grain a bit here but i'm gonna say under yeah, I'll take the over. I, I, not only as a Bruce Boudreaux stand, but also as uh, with the acknowledgement that the offense can't be as dog shit as it was last year. And I, and I also think there's something to be said for like, I, I know the change at the top is 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 the change at the top, but there clearly was some fucking dysfunction on that team last year, and, and Fenton was a big reason for it. Uh, so I'll take I'll take I'll say they were like an 88 89 point team. I'll take the over on that one. Nashville Predators 97 and a half is the number for Nashville. Oof. This is a team uh, that is uh, very much typically in the mix for you know 100 points, President's Trophy, yada yada yada, all that good stuff. Uh, the actually the line the line I have currently is 96 and a half, so it's dropped a little bit. So let's go. Let's go. Ninety-six and a half points for the Nashville Predators. You take the over or the under on that one. Um, I got to take the over. I guess like a ver- again, very slight, like ninety-six, ninety-seven and a half, whatever it is. I have them at ninety-eight. So yeah, I'm gonna go. Yeah. I'm gonna go over. Like I, I, I'm not ready to to write off the Predators yet. I feel like obviously last year was kind of a disappointing year and yet they were they were still pretty good regular season team last year uh i i think they're uh, they should continue to be i'm gonna go over on that with at least a small degree of confidence minus pk suban plus matt duchene is really the equation you're dealing with here goaltending is going to be good Offense is going to be better. Keep in mind, they had, they were a 100-point team last year with a power Horrible play that was not offense. worth a shit. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to take the over on this one. 98-99-point um, uh, team probably for the Nashville Predators this year. Yep, the St. The, yeah. the Louis Blues, we've been talking a lot about teams that went on crazy-ass runs <laughs> during the season. Yep. Uh, no one crazy or asser than the uh, St. Louis Blues. Uh, the current over-under for the Blues, the reigning Stanley Cup champions, still very awkward to say, 96.5 points. Over-under, 96.5 for the Blues. Over. I have them dead even at 100. Yep, oh, that, all right. that sounds about right. I think they're a good team. Obviously, given how last year went, nothing would truly surprise us. But, uh, yeah, they're, I, I, they're the defending champs. That doesn't obviously make them the best team necessarily but i think they're a real good team and i would uh, not have a problem going over the 96 and a half i'll go against the grain i'll say under uh, and it might be slight lender i mean they're, they're a playoff team they're gonna be fine 
Um, wouldn't shock me to see him come in at like 96 or 95 points. And uh, that's a combination of having played a lot of hockey uh, in the last year, maybe a little slight cup hangover, maybe Jordan Bennington comes down to earth a little bit. Uh, I'll, go, I'll go like 90, 95, 96 points for the Blues and just say they're slightly under that number. The Winnipeg Jets had a very tumultuous, 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 they had a really bad September. And uh, their over-under at the moment is still quite quite lofty. It is at, uh, let me see here, where the hell are the Jets? 95 and a half points. Oh, I, I'm surprised there's this much. Like, I did not expect to hear deep sigh on this one for well, a team that has so the, the, such the thing problems. Is this. I, I submitted all my uh, numbers already before any of even like the Bufflin stuff shook out. So I have them coming into the season at 97. I, I was kind of, I guess, anticipating a, a bit of a bounce back year for um, Connor Hellebuck. And then, you know, maybe Patrick Line gets his act together, that sort of thing. Uh, was kind of where I was thinking with that. But, yeah, now I guess I have to take the under, even though that kind of throws off some of my other projections, I guess. But, yeah, I can't in good conscience take the yeah. over on that. Man, I like clear, I was one of those people this time last year. I thought the Jets were right on the fast track to being like an absolute elite upper-tier team for the long term. And, and then last year was a mess. But last year's mess was still a 99-point team. Like, they won 47 games last year. There's a lot of teams that, mm-hmm. if everything went wrong and they won 47 games, would, would probably take it. And, yeah, the, the blue line scares me. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go over, and, and I'm going to say what I would do in this situation is I would probably wait wait for that line to go down even further and, and then hit the over. Um, but I... You know, I could I I could absolutely see them missing the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to completely bottom out. And I like their odds of of not even they don't have to get better, just getting worse by a small enough amount that they can still beat that total. Yeah, uh, there the the offense didn't necessarily take a hit, and that's really the bread and butter mm-hmm. last year. I mean, they shot the fucking lights out at, at uh, even strength last year. Uh, in front of not all that great defense, I, I'm with you. I I, I, I got to take the under because I, I, there's a chance that most of that blue line is going to be below replacement level. I think that blue line's so bad, dude. Like it's yeah, yeah. I, I just can't in good faith take the over. Looking at that blue line and just thinking, the, you know, we, we've we've kind of danced around the idea of, of vibe. In some of these calls that we've made, you know, the vibe of the Islanders last year, the vibe of the Blue Jackets this year, yada, yada, yada. I just feel like there's a certain amount of uh, maybe our window is closed vibe that's kind of stinking around this team right now. So I'll take the under on, on, on 95 and a half um, with the acknowledgement that it's still a team that could shoot the fucking lights out. Pacific Division, the Anaheim Duckaroos. <laughs> So the Anaheim Ducks are at 80 and a half for the point total right now. Uh, they, of course, were a team that finished with uh, 80 points last year. All world goaltending, everything else seemingly in, tra- in transition. 
eighty and a half points for the Ducks. Um, I'm taking a very slight over. I have them half a point better than that. Yeah, I, I I feel okay with the over on this. I don't I don't love the Ducks as a team, but I I think they made a major upgrade on the coaching front. Uh, I'm I'm not a big Randy mm-hmm. Carlisle guy, yep. and and the fact that he was replaced by somebody who had never done the job before, and they seem to get better. <laughs> kind of tips you off, and, and I think Dallas Aikens is is a good coach, and they've got one of the best goaltenders in the world. And you give me those two things, and I'll I'll take the over uh, on eighty points pretty much every time. And I also love when the AHL guy comes up, and many of the grunts on the on the team are guys that he coached. Mm-hmm. I love yes. that. Those guys always play for that guy. Um, so I'll take I'll take the over eighty and a half as well on that one. With, with the with the caveat that it, it involves a healthy uh, uh, John Gibson. Yeah, if John Gibson's not healthy, they're screwed. But. They're fucked. The Arizona Coyotes, I, I mentioned going on Dimitri Filipovich's podcast recently, and we had a very interesting discussion about whether or not the Arizona Coyotes are simply built the wrong way. <laughs> whether the foundation that's been laid there by John Chayka just isn't a good one. Uh, they're... Over-under in the summer was 90.5. Their over-under right now is 88.5 points. What say you about the Arizona Coyotes? Very slightly under. Oh? I have, I have them at 86. That's what they were last year. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I feel like they, they needed some things to go their way to get to that last year. And mm-hmm. now I think that's just kind of like the baseline. If that makes sense. Yeah, I... I would go. What did, what, what was the new line? It's eighty eight yeah. and a half. I'll I'll go over on that. That that's like right in the ballpark. This is this is a coin flip. The, if the lines come down, maybe I'll, that'll <laughs> nudge me to taking the over. I don't. I don't love the Coyotes, but they're kind of. I don't know. They're, they're sort of like my new hurricanes, where I've been waiting for years, going like, ah, this is this is the year it all comes together, and I don't know. Maybe, Oof. but the uh, the hur- but the Hurricanes have good players. I think the Coyotes have some good players <laughs> like too, and they and the, and the Coyotes have goaltending, which the Hurricanes never did. They co- the Coyotes have you put the Coyotes goaltending on the Carolina Hurricanes, they're fucking Stanley Cup favorite. I completely agree with you, but I don't like the rest of the lineup. I, I will take the under on this one. Every time uh, the Arizona Coyotes are uh, looked at as a team that might break out, they always flop. Uh, I'll take the under on on this total. Calgary Flames over under 95 and a half, Ryan Lambert, uh, for a team that obviously was a fucking gangbusters 107 last year. Yeah, I don't think they're 107 again this year, but I think they're over that. I, I have them at 98 for, for this coming 98 season. 98-point team. Yep. Calgary Flames back in the playoffs, 98-point team. Yep, third in the division. Yeah, I don't, this is another one of those teams where... Based on last year and, and based on how the roster looks, you're all excited to bet the under, and then the people who make the lines know that and drop it right down to that job. area where you're like, ah, crap. <laughs> I would go. I'm I'm gonna say over, but it it certainly wouldn't shock me to see them see them come in under that line. Uh, don't don't still don't love the goaltending. Oh, the goaltending oh is the reason they aren't a guaranteed hundred plus point team. It's bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. It is bad. Uh, it is real bad. Um, but I like everything in front of that goaltending. So yep. that caveat being being said, 
I'll take the over as well. The Edmonton Oilers and new coach Dave Tippett. Connor and the boys, the over-under is 85.5 points. Keep in mind that the Edmonton Oilers last season were a 79-point team. What was the number again? I'm sorry, the over-under. Oh, sorry, 85.5. Very slightly over. I have them at 87. I would go under, but I'm always wrong about the Oilers. Yeah, I'm going to take the over. I can't. I can't imagine they're going to be as bad as they were last year. Um, it's still not a very good team at all. That's correct. But, but a better, a, a, a good coach, maybe, maybe arguably a better coach, and a coach that in the past has papered over lackluster rosters to be somewhat competitive. So a slight over from me. Still waiting for SEAL Team 6 to rush in and rescue Connor. The Los Angeles Kings last year were a 71-point team. The over-under on the LA Kings and Coach Todd McClellan this year is 74-and-a-half. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'll take the over. Um, <laughs> I, I think their coaching last year was bad. Um, Abysmal. Yes. And and you know they 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 had a situation where a lot went wrong in a lot of the ways that like other teams had a lot go right. They weren't a good team, but like so much went wrong for them that like I kind of can't see them replicating that. You know. Uh-huh. So I have them just I have them at seventy nine points. They're still the worst team in the Western Conference, but you know they're they're not like abjectly as bad as they were last year. Yeah, that's that's it. Like you can be the worst team in your conference and still like 74 points is that's not a lot in today's NHL. I just That's what that's how bad the Red Wings were yeah, last year. Yeah, like unless if, you're if unless serves, you're like so. full on tear down, strip it, scorched earth rebuild, I'm not confident betting on anyone to be under 74 points, which is not to say they couldn't be. But they've still got Doughty, still got Kopitar, still got pieces in place there. Uh, and, and a goaltender, Jonathan Quick, who I know people have a lot of mixed feelings on, but wouldn't stun me to see him have a, a pretty solid year. So I, I'm saying over on them. Yeah, and you only get to where they were last year in the absolute fucking toilet when you just quit on a season. And I, and I think they're going to get off to a better start this year. I think they're going to be at least in the mix a little bit longer to get them over 74 and a half points, uh, especially when you, you when you anticipate bounce back seasons from guys like Kopitar. So I agree. I, I would take the over on that one as well. Um, but they're still going to be pretty bad. The San Jose Sharks. The Sharkies are 95 and a half currently on the points. I think this is an easy over. Um yeah, you know, like that, it's that's a weird line. It's it's so yeah. like I'm I've seen like for example that's borderline playoff team. Yeah, for example, like Dom had them at ninety four one. Like I'm just looking at the chart I've put together of all the different comparisons I've seen. I'm seeing a lot of numbers in the ninety five. I have them at one hundred two. Um, because mm-hmm. while I know they lost Joe Pavelski, they also had the worst goaltending in the league last year from a guy who. You know, you can say what you want about how – I mean, Martin Jones, you can say as much bad as you want about how bad last year was. But he was always decent before that and, and sometimes a little better than that. And so mm-hmm. 
in much the same way a goalie can have like an inexplicably bad or inexplicably good season, I think a goalie can have uh, inexplicably bad seasons as well. And and so I, you know, he doesn't have to be a world beater for them to become a hundred, like an easy hundred plus point team with how well they yeah. played last year. Um, there yeah. was also the thing of Eric Carlson was hurt, like playing hurt for a good chunk of the year, missed time. Also, if he can and stay needed, healthy, needed a, a needed a month to figure out his shit as well. Like, yeah, yeah I, I, I I tend to agree. The only thing I worry about is they are going to be very reliant on a lot of kids down the lineup, um, and, and and kind of hoping that guys can move up into different spots. Like hoping there is somebody who can. Uh, replace Pavelski and, and what he did uh, specifically in front of the net and things like that. So I, I'm a, I, I'm a little bit worried about it, to be honest with you, that they're going to get over 95 and a half, but I, I still have to believe that they will. All right. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I don't think they're a lock by any means, but I feel, I, I feel a lot better about this bet than, almost any other one we're talking about that that line still seems on the low side to me all right the vancouver canucks oh this is a sexy one this is a good one vancouver right now in the summer they were at 90 and a half the current over under i have for them right now in front of me is 86 and a half points I got to take the over on the new one. I would have taken the under on yeah. earlier in the summer, but yeah, eighty six and a half is a little too low. I have mid eighty nine, just outside the playoffs. Yeah, the original was too high, but I I, I think I'm kind of with Ryan on this. I I think they're they're in the ballpark of of the new line. I'll take the over. I'll take the over, and I will leave it to you, the listener, to read ESPN.com to see if maybe. We're looking at a secret playoff team. The Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> Finally, the over-under for Vegas is 100 and a half points. The Golden Knights last season, 93 points. Mark Stone there for the full run. 100 and a half points for the third year. Vegas Golden Knights. What say you? I got to go over um, a full year with Mark Stone. Uh, I know their defense took a bit of a hit this, and and even a little bit of their offense. But who boy, a full year of Mark Stone on your second line, forget about it, dude. Yeah, and they sh- they should be playing angry. This uh, yeah, out of all the teams the way last year ended, uh, they they should have a bit of a chip. I I don't. I, there's still a part of me in the back of my head that that doesn't want to jump with both feet on this Vegas bandwagon, but I mean that's I'm, we're two years in at this point. I think I gotta just accept that this is a real good team, and uh, yeah, having Stone for the full year will help. Uh, I will take the over. I'll also say, by the way, uh, the guy I think is gonna really have a, the biggest bounce back here, maybe in the league, is Max Pacioretty. You give that guy like he was okay last year, but disappointing. Um, once they got Mark Stone, he was really good, and uh, you know now he's going to have him for eighty-two games. So, yeah, the only the only thing I worry about is is what happened last year to them, which is that injuries really derailed a lot of stuff 
for them. Uh, and, and also one of their best defensemen getting pinched before the season didn't yeah. help. Uh, so uh, all things being equal, healthy team. Uh, I think they're they're north of, of 100 and a half as well. Uh, it should be a fun year in, in Vegas, even if I can't totally love them as a Stanley Cup contender without that one foundational defenseman that they, well, they can't always, seem to acquire. They they always go out and get somebody <laughs> at the deadline. So They sure do. Go get you a nice uh, Alex Petrangelo rental. Just kidding. The Blues ain't going to trade him. Um, oh, you don't right. think? No, probably not. That is the over-under preview podcast as we get closer to the actual puck drop on the regular season. I'm sure we will commit wholeheartedly to uh, Stanley Cup champion picks and conference champion picks and all that good stuff. Uh, I'm Greg Wyshynski. You can read me on ESPN.com. You can listen to my podcast, ESPN on Ice with Emily Kaplan, as well. I'm Ryan Lambert. Yahoo Sports is the place to read all my takes and also uh, sign up for the newsletter on the Patreon. We have a uh, – I'm – uh, not going to be here to to write it as I usually do. So we have a very special treat in store instead. Uh, Sean McAnew, the Athletic. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, now is the time to jump in uh, before the season. And uh, yeah, it's uh, been a busy week. You'll find stuff from me on the uh, 25 year anniversary of the first Gary Bettman lockout uh, and and how things could have turned out very differently for the league if that had gone a different way uh, as well as preseason prediction stuff, uh, new seasons resolutions, all that sort of stuff There it is. Alright folks, thanks for listening to Puck Soup as always, if you dig the show review it on iTunes drop a little star rating on there for us uh, and tell a friend that you dig the show, we always appreciate it and uh, thanks everybody for listening we will talk to you next week. Bye. Later, gang. Bye-bye. Sticks and hits and goals and saves and slap shots and goons. We've got sport the commentary to what if you commute. But we also cover movies, TV shows, eats and tunes. It's your weekly bowl of hockey and nonsense. Box <sighs> soup.